the first person to survive Alzheimer's disease is out there, and the Alzheimer's Association is going to make it happen. But we won't get there without you. Visit ALZ.org to join the fight. Hey everyone, and welcome to the Fantasy Football Addicts Podcast. My name is Mung. Hey everyone, it's Los. Uh, week eleven or week ten coming to a close. Ten weeks in, week eleven getting geared up. What a season, Mung. What a season. Yeah, lots of uh, crazy stuff happening in the NFL every single week. Uh, the 49ers finally got their first win. Whoop, whoop. Yeah, I mean it just uh, makes uh, Cleveland all the more to get that number one pick. Yeah, they're uh, they, they'll probably bring that up. Uh, maybe go with another quarterback or something like that, and have an even messier situation going forward. No, Cleveland will probably uh, pass on a quarterback because they don't think they're going to be that good. <laughs> kind of like Carson Wentz. Hey, hopefully uh, they hopefully they don't need to replace Joe Thomas, the only uh, the only real Cleveland football player that's been there the last decade. Uh, I think you're forgetting about Josh Gordon, the best wide receiver that's ever lived. He may be back at some point. That's true. Yeah, so we will see. But uh, speaking of the 49ers, we are actually going to go to that game for our close shave of the week. So this week, playing at home against a New York Giants team that seems to have given up in hopes of getting their head coach fired, rookie Niners quarterback C.J. Beathard led the offense, throwing for two touchdowns and running for another. He rewarded those who streamed him in fantasy, as did both running backs Carlos Hyde and Matt Breda, combining for 153 rushing yards and a touchdown. Marquise Goodwin scored on a long bomb, taking him to the house for an 83-yard touchdown just hours after his baby son died due to complications during pregnancy. And finally, tight end Garrett Selleck caught four passes for 67 yards and a touchdown, saying after the game that he was, quote-unquote, told all week he was a fantasy sleeper and had to get everyone some points. The entire 49ers team came through for fantasy owners everywhere this week en route to their first win under their new head coach, Kyle Shanahan. Get your close shave like the San Francisco 49ers with Gillette, the best a man can get. Same great blades, now for less. Pricing applies to select products and is at the sole discretion of the retailer. An entire team getting uh, the close shave of the week, and and no better team than the Niners grabbing their first win. And, of course, our hearts go out to the family of uh, Marquise Goodwin. Uh, That'll bring us into our Thursday night football game for this week, Tennessee at Pittsburgh. The Titans beat the Bengals with a fourth-quarter passing touchdown to DeMarco Murray. Mariota looked fine versus the Bengals. Uh, He would be a fine low-end quarterback one this week as well. DeMarco Murray had a great week with 12 uh, carries for 42 yards and two touchdowns rushing, plus that four catches for 30 yards and a touchdown compared to Henry's 11 for 52 and zero catches right now. He's running back two again this week as the work could really go either way week to week. The touchdowns, we, we could have seen Henry get three touchdowns and zero to Murray. Um, this doesn't scare me off of off of Henry really at all. Delaney Walker had another nice tight end one week with 12 points on his nine targets and Corey Davis led the team with 10 targets finally, converting four for 48 and almost scoring a touchdown with they actually turned into one of those fumble touchbacks. Two of those plays this week. Uh, he's going to learn. He's very early in his career. Um, this may be the start of him as the top wide receiver on this team, but I'd avoid him this week versus Pittsburgh, which has shown some holes, but has been an actually tough sort of defense, uh, tough sort of secondary this year. I do prefer him to Matthews at this point. Uh, his talent speaks for itself. Yeah, before we get into the Titans real quick, I just want to mention that 
I personally think that touchback rule is kind of dumb. I mean, I understand they don't want people just kind of like chucking the ball towards the end zone when they're close to the goal line, but at least move them back to like the five yard line or the 10 yard line. I don't, uh, I don't necessarily think it should be a touchback, but that's just me. Um, yeah, you just like those flashy points being put up on the scoreboard. Uh, as I, I, grew, I always grew up as a defensive player in all the sports I played, you know, so it, it's it's tough. I can see that it's harsh to have a ball go through the end zone and end up on the other team at, at, at the 20 yard line. But hey, ball security, you know, hang on to the darn thing. I get it. But I mean, why not just have the fumble go back to the spot of the fumble or, you know, something like that. But Anyway, um, we have zero uh, zero influence on these kind of yes. decisions, so I'm just <laughs> going to accept it for what it is and move on. Um, mm-hmm. But really, so Marcus Mariota has a shoulder sprain, but unlike Jameis Winston, uh, it's important to note it's in his non-throwing shoulder, um, and it sounds like he's still probable to play against Pittsburgh, so you're not too scared of that. But despite him finding some success against the Bengals, I don't love him against the Steelers. Like you said, their secondary has been playing really well, even though... Jacoby Brissett got some deep touchdowns on some terrible mental errors by their secondary. Um, They just always play much better at home and in prime time, but it is important to note that Joe Hayden is going to be out a few weeks with a broken fibula, so that certainly makes me like Mariota a little bit more. He'll be a low-end QB1 for me this week. Um, And I really have no idea what's going to happen week to week with DeMarco Murray and Derrick Henry. Um, every, every time we've tried to project them somehow, you know, crazy things just happen. So, you know, consider Murray a boomer bust RB2 this week for me. And then Henry a boomer bust flex play, depending on his goal line usage. Um, as you said, I like both Rashard Matthews and Corey Davis as high-end flex plays. Uh, again, with Hayden out, their ceilings get considerably higher. And of course, Delaney Walker is going to get his share of targets, but... The Steelers have been pretty good at limiting opposing tight ends as well, so Walker's a low-end tight end one for me in a tough matchup here. The Steelers just did their best uh, to give another game away to a bad team, this time to the Colts, but they did end up winning as time expired with a field goal. Uh, ben should be low-end quarterback one this week with his weapons versus a very beatable Tennessee secondary, making a lot of wide receivers look very good uh, this past week. Brandon LaFell. Uh, Bell had 112 combined yards and five catches despite no touchdowns. He's running back one. Brown was held at just 47 yards, but I don't expect a repeat there, of course. And Juju Smith-Schuster had a nice 21 point day five catches 97 yards and a touchdown and looking better every week i love him as a wide receiver two versus tennessee martavis bryant continued to see work with three catches for 42 yards but i'm not worried about him at this point he's an afterthought in my book vance mcdonald added another touchdown on two catches and could be a desperation stream versus the titans here yeah i mean it was an uncharacter excuse me characteristic bad showing for antonio brown um obviously you're starting him and Le'Veon bell still I think Ben's a risk-reward, low-end QB1. At home, you like him more, obviously, and the Titans secondary doesn't exactly scare you. And then, yeah, I mean, I think uh, you're right when you say Juju probably deserves to be in that wide receiver 2 tier at this point, given his consistent target share and usage. Um, And then Martavis Bryant, just a desperation wide receiver 4. He did get a two-point conversion this past week, so they do have him in on red zone-type packages, but... You know, while Ben's looking for him occasionally, there just isn't enough consistency there to play Bryant in most formats. And then Vance McDonald got you a touchdown if you started him, but he's only averaging about two targets per game, so just a low-end tight end, too, that I'd probably avoid this week. Give me the Steelers at home here. Yeah, I'll take uh, home Ben. 
Detroit at Chicago. Uh, Detroit just scored 38 points on Cleveland and will now head into Chicago to try and push towards the top spot in the NFC North. Matt Stafford's a low-end quarterback one for me this week versus Chicago. Amir Abdullah is actually getting more of the important carries this week, uh, going 11 for 52 and a touchdown. Theo Riddick, four carries for 35, plus three catches for 12 yards in the touchdown. And they are both flex options here versus Chicago. Um, Mir Abdullah looking much better without Zach Zenner and Dwayne Washington, and they're taking away those important goal line and, and uh, goal line carries. Golden Tate added another six for seven, 97 yards and a touchdown. Kid can, can, continues to be a very solid PPR and standard wide receiver, too. Kenny Galladay looked good on a nice 50-yard catch in his first came back, but he really served to split the work between himself and and Marvin Jones, who was reduced to one catch. Uh, TJ Jones only got one catch as well this week. Yeah, it was a strange game, though. It was actually pretty close for most of it against Cleveland. Uh, they decided to randomly go for a QB sneak when they had like 10 seconds left for some reason, but um, that's just Cleveland being Cleveland. Uh, I certainly agree with Stafford being in that low-end QB1 range. Um, both running backs should be flexes. Uh, I do also prefer Abdullah slightly now that he's getting those goal line carries, as you said. Um, and yeah, it seems like Galladay returning really kind of muddies the field for Marvin Jones and TJ Jones, who they like as well. And I, I think they're all going to be, you know, splitting that playing time. Um, there's definite upside for Galladay as a wide receiver four, but I think this does lower Marvin Jones into that high end wide receiver three territory when, you know, before he was a wide receiver two, given the target share. And then in terms of DFS, uh, Galladay is a solid you know, GPP play as well with Kyle Fuller getting burned all day long against Green Bay. Um, I, I, certainly, they're probably going to target that side of the field yet again. And then I actually had Eric Ebron uh, in a couple of uh, lineups because Cleveland is so bad against the tight end and he scored a touchdown. But, you know, Cleveland's given up the second most points per game to opposing touchdowns. Um, but at the same time, Eric Ebron has been more involved in the offense the last few weeks since Detroit's bye week. I think he's actually an okay streaming tight end two option, even though I'm probably going to regret saying that. Yes, sir. He's a man who leads to a lot of regret. Uh, speaking of regret, the Bears disappointed us at home here versus the Packers. We, I expect something similar this week versus Detroit. Trubisky didn't look too bad. He'll continue to progress, hopefully, but is not fantasy relevant this year. Uh, Jordan Howard won 15 carries, 54 yards with no pass game work. Hopefully he can put up running back one numbers again this week. You likely have to start him if you own him. Tara Cohen had two touches that he turned into 11 yards. His usage has declined weekly, and that's a shame. I hope you aren't looking to start him. Benny Cunningham is getting more targets at this point even, and uh, Benny Cunningham had one of those plays this week where you fumble into the pylon and it uh, give the ball to the other team on the 20-yard line. So who knows? Chicago could have beaten the Packers if things went a little differently, but they didn't. Of these pass catchers, Inman led in targets, catches, and yards with six on eight for 88, and I think there may be something here. Inman has been a startable wide receiver at times as a charger in the past. And while he's certainly not the next stud wide receiver in the league, he's probably maybe definitely the best wide receiver on the bears uh, team of Kendall, Wright, Josh Bellamy, Trey McBride, at least until uh, some guys get healthy next year, just like in San Francisco, somebody has to catch the football and Inman to me is a, is a wide receiver three right now. Yeah, Emmons showed some surprising bit of chemistry there uh, with Trubisky after just really a week or so of practice. Um, it sounds like he might uh, be able to snag that number one target job. And if he does, yeah, you're right. There might be some flex value there, but I think it's definitely going to be boom or bust. Um, 
I, I don't think Darius Slay is going to shadow anyone this week, but certainly whoever sees him on that side of the field is going to have a little bit of trouble. So I, I just still don't love him. Probably just a high-end wide receiver four, maybe a low-end flex, as you said. Um, and then, yeah, I mean, Jordan Howard, he's been so good, but really the, the game scripts just aren't working out for him with the defense struggling as well. I, I can't put him into that RB1 range. He's just a mid-level RB2 for me, even with the workload that he gets. All right. Uh, let's look for another roll of disappointment with Chicago against the NFC North teams. Uh, Detroit will win this week. Yeah, uh, I will take the Lions over the Bears. All right, Baltimore at Green Bay. Baltimore comes off the bye here. Watch the reports of who's playing this week, of course. I like Macklin as a high-end wide receiver three. Collins may be able to preserve some running back two or three value here if uh, Baltimore can get anything going versus Green Bay. And Buck Allen's days may be numbered as Danny Woodhead nears a return. First, uh, first report off the team is that he may not play this week, but you know, keep an eye on it as the week goes on. Yeah, the big story here is Woodhead's impending return. He's began practicing. Um, he could return this week, uh, but you know that's still kind of up in the air. But if he is active, Woodhead would be an instant low-end RB2 in PPR and bump Collins to more of a flex play. Um, if Woodhead does not play, then I would keep Allen as a low-end RB2 in PPR and also keep Collins as a flex play. Um, the one other thing I'll add, I do like Macklin as well, as you said, but I also like Ben Watson as a streaming tight end two option again. He's been getting consistent targets, and he's averaged 9.3 fantasy points per game over his last four. Um, and then finally, I like the Ravens defense as a nice streaming option. Brett Hundley looked better against Chicago, uh, but the Ravens defense is well rested after their bye, and they lead the league in turnovers. The Packers just beat the Bears in Chicago with a decent offensive day. Uh, they could face trouble here versus Baltimore. I'm still definitely avoiding Hundley. The wide receivers have shown the pattern that you alluded to last week with Adams again leading the way, five catches on eight for 90 yards and a touchdown. And he's a wide receiver too for me. Uh, with Nelson and Cobb lower-ended flexes uh, each, uh, if you could, if you have better options, I, I might I might shy away and bench them all together. Uh, just as we thought we had an answer at running back, Aaron Jones goes and sprains his MCL. He's like done for a few weeks at least Ty Montgomery re-injures his ribs and Jamal Williams goes 20 carries for 67 yards looking decent on some of those runs of course 20 carries should uh, amount to a little more than 67 yards for a good running back for now we expect Jones out if Montgomery is out that makes Williams a low-end running back too uh, if he's in Montgomery is a solid running back too I think this week and Williams may have some flex value as well no notable tight end here on this team of course now that Martellus Bennett's left the team yeah, I'm not as high as you on Devontae Adams or uh, Jamal Williams or the running backs. Uh, pretty much, you know, De Devontae Adams, I, I, like I said last week, is the number one wide receiver now. But against a very good Ravens defense, he's just a wide receiver three or flex play for me. Um, like I said, Kyle Fuller was terrible in coverage all day. Got burned for that 19-yard touchdown on the scramble drill by Hundley. But I expect Baltimore to apply more pressure than the Bears were able to. And without that touchdown, Adams would have had a very uninspiring four catches for 71 yards. And likewise, Jordy and Cobb are just desperation wide receiver fours and what I think is going to be a kind of low-scoring matchup of these two defenses battling it out. And in the same vein, you know, the Ravens' run defense improved a ton with the return of Brandon Williams, and they allowed just 45 rushing yards to Miami and 71 rushing yards to Tennessee in their last two games since he's been back. And, you know, the report on Ty Montgomery is he's got a chance to play, but it seems unlikely. 
or even if he does, Jamal Williams should still get the bulk of the work with him not fully healthy, but Williams to me is still just a high-end RB3 or flex play. I'm really down on the Packers offense this week. Uh, and in fact, I'm going to pick Baltimore on the road in this matchup. I hope you're right. I'm picking Baltimore, but uh, but uh, my, my head is pointing me towards Green Bay winning at home just because that's what they do. But yeah, give me Baltimore as well. Uh, Jacksonville at Cleveland. The Jaguars just want to close one versus close one versus the Chargers despite two late interceptions from Blake Bortles. Uh, Fournette was really ineffective with 17 carries for 33 yards, two catches for 13, though a longer play, pass play was called back on him. Uh, he should have had a better day than that. Some days things just don't click. I still have him as a running back one this week. Hearns and Lee actually both turned solid days here. I still have Lee as a low-end wide receiver two tight six for 55 and a touchdown this week. Dede Westbrook is likely back this week and Hearns is likely out. TJ Yeldon got a bit of the passing down work with Fournette ineffective six for eight on 39 yards receiving. And Ivory is a real non-factor uh, non when Fournette plays, um, probably droppable. Yeah, and I mean, it, it's important to remember that Leonard Fournette was out with that injury and then they had the bye week and then he was suspended for missing team activities. So, Really, this is his first game back in quite some time, and I think it might have just taken him a little bit to get back into the swing of things. Uh, I'm fine with Fournette again this week at running back as a running back one. Um, and really, I, I think in terms of the handcuff situation, I think that Yeldon is probably the preferred guy over Ivory at this point. If anything should happen to Leonard Fournette, um, I would be adding Yeldon and not Ivory. Uh, and then, as you said, Marcus Lee's finding his groove with uh, Bortles. He's a high-end wide receiver, three or flex. And, you know, I I don't fault you for putting him uh, higher even, but for me, he's not quite there just because Bortles is still uh, somewhat, um, you know, inconsistent. But certainly monitor D.D. Westbrook, uh, especially if he's activated and Alan Hearns is out. Westbrook is worth adding in all formats. He's got that talent, as we saw in the preseason. Yes, sir. He, he may come and muddy the situation for everybody right off the bat. Uh, now, the Browns look lost, but actually a bit competent, banging, uh, banging 24, uh, putting, hanging 24 points on the Lions. I'm certainly not uh, parlaying that into a start against this tough Jacksonville defense, though. Uh, Isaiah Crowell went 16 carries for 90 yards and a touchdown. And Duke Johnson had 10 carries for 54 yards with six catches, 34 yards receiving. Those are the only two true considerations here. And I'd shy away from Crowell versus Jacksonville. They're a tough defense. Uh, the top receiver was the tight end, Seth DeValve, with four catches, 70 yards. And while Jacksonville is classically weak against the tight ends, this is the first week we've seen Seth DeValve lead the team like this. So I'm avoiding him myself. Yeah, uh, pass on DeValve. It very well could have been Njoku with the touchdown. Uh, they, it, their usage is so inconsistent, and I'm fading the Cleveland tight ends despite that performance. Um, Duke Johnson, I think, will be a decent flex option given what Austin Eckler was just able to do in space against those Jaguars linebackers. And uh, they're similarly explosive backs when you get them into those kind of matchup situations. I still don't love Isaiah Crowell despite a nice day against Detroit, and the same goes for Deshaun Kaiser against Jacksonville. The, the Detroit defense is pretty decent, but Jacksonville is a whole nother level. Give me the Jaguars. I will take the Jaguars as well. All right, Arizona at Houston. Drew Stanton looked better than expected versus Seattle, uh, but as another tough test in Houston, I'm not buying him this week, that's for sure. But he showed that he's smart enough to look to Larry Fitzgerald. 10 catches on 14 targets, 113 yards. Wide receiver two here for me. He actually spread the ball around well here, too. He, uh, though he threw the ball 47 times, which 
they will definitely try to avoid going forward. You don't want Drew Stanton doing that. I'd hold off on uh, the Browns and Nelson, though Stanton again looked to Gresham for, uh, for five catches, 64 yards, and a touchdown. He's uh, he's worth starting if you need a tight end badly, I think. Um, Drew Stanton liking to hit the tight end. You know, poor quarterbacks and young quarterbacks love their tight ends, right? Adrian Peterson added another 21 carries for 29 yards only this week, but he'll continue to get enough touches to warrant r- uh, running back two tight Type of start, though. Uh, if Jadavian Clowney keeps wrecking things in the backfield, maybe not. Andre Ellington had a little better day here: three catches on six targets, 26 yards receiving. I still. He may think I'm crazy. I still think he's worth stashing another week until Stanton learns to work him into the pass game a little more. Uh, AP is not staying in on those passing downs, and and Drew Stanton's going to need to keep throwing the ball to stay in games. Yeah, that may be true in a lot of weeks, but I actually think Arizona might control this game against Tom Savage and the and the Texans here. Um, I, I actually do like Adrian Peterson uh, as a low-end RB2 here. I think he's going to get quite a few carries as long as the game script goes uh, as expected. And as you said, Drew Stanton looks surprisingly competent, was able to get the ball to Fitzgerald, but I don't think he's going to have that many targets against Houston. Um, really, I mean, some of that was in catch-up mode against Seattle, so I would not expect Fitzgerald to have such a huge day again, but I do like him as a wide receiver, too. Um, you know, Sand's shown that he's able to get him the ball, so uh, I think those two are really the only guys you want to start. As you said, Gresham, if you're desperate, but he's still been up and down, and then uh, I, I do agree that Ellington's worth stashing because in other games where Stanton's going to have a tougher time, uh, he's going to need to check it down and and uh, dump it off to Ellington. Houston had a lot of trouble here with the Rams, with uh, Tom Savage turning the ball over four times. We may see a, a little TJ or TY, what's his name, TJT Yates. We may see Yates coming in at quarterback this week. Who knows what's going to happen? He still fed DeAndre Hopkins seven catches, 14 uh, targets for 111 yards, keeping him low-end wide receiver one value. He could have trouble here versus Patrick Peterson, but but we'll still get the volume. Um, he, he's been throwing the ball to his superstar. Will Fuller only had three targets, and his ship is safe fast with a repeat rib injury. Bruce Ellington surpassed him four catches on eight targets, 41 yards and a touchdown. But Arizona has a good secondary and should give uh, whichever quarterback is here bad fits. CJ Fedorowicz returned with just two catches, 10 yards, but could see tight end one level targets this week. Uh, Lamar Miller went 11 carry 60 yards to Foreman seven carries, 18 yards as Houston got away from the run a bit. This is going to be a real tough game here, but I, I think Miller does return solid running back to value this week. Yeah, I'm nowhere near as high as you are on the Texans players this week. <laughs> um, you know, Hopkins has been really amazing even without Deshaun Watson, but there's a 0% chance that I have him in my wide receiver one ranks this week against Patrick Peterson. Um, per Nathan Jonke over at PFF, who does great work, uh, Patrick Peterson has allowed 12 catches over nine games this year. Um, at best, I have Hopkins as a boomer bust low-end wide receiver two week. And actually, if you want to make things interesting, we had a bet a few weeks ago when Houston was playing Seattle um, that DeAndre Hopkins would not be a top 20 PPR wide receiver that week. And I would make that bet again with you if you're willing to take that. Yeah, sure. Okay. Um, Love me some DeAndre. All right, we'll see. Um, I, I just think that as good as he's become and as somewhat QB proof as he is, uh, Patrick Peterson is a whole nother story here. 
Um, we have levied too many bets on the Houston Texans. I'll tell you that much, though. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, I'll say again, uh, you know, I don't like Houston this week. Uh, for me, Lamar Miller's downgraded to a flex play as well. I don't see them sticking with running the ball with much success against Arizona. And really, those are the two guys I, I'd be comfortable starting. And Fedorowicz, I would probably avoid, too. Just, uh, you know, boomer bust tight end, too. And I, I think more so bust this week. Yeah, I, uh, I, I could definitely see all this happening. Something just tells me that uh, you know you don't you don't put you you don't cut your chickens before they hatch, and you don't put Drew Stanton in your in the basket with your chickens. I think he turns up. I think he may turn up a stinker this week and and lead Houston to a win. Oh no, no, my friends! I think Drew Stanton is much more competent, quote unquote, than uh, Tom Savage. So I will take the Cardinals here. All right. L.A. Rams at Minnesota Vikings. The Rams hung another 33 points on Houston this week and face another tough defense in Minnesota. Jared Goff was great last week. Could be a solid stream yet again, though. Minnesota is a very tough defense, but but the Rams have been excellent. I'm not certain how matchups will ensue with Xavier Rhodes, but I doubt he shadows Robert Woods. I don't think he comes inside on Cooper Cup, and I think that probably leaves him on Sammy Watkins, as crazy as that may sound. Uh, Woods had a huge week with eight catches, 171 yards, and two touchdowns, and even Watkins had a touchdown versus Houston, albeit only on two catches. I I think this is a really good Cooper Cup week. I have him as a a PPR wide receiver two here. Woods is a wide receiver three, despite the uh, massive success. Watkins a distant flex if that right now Todd Gurley is as always and always will be a running back one yeah this is really kind of that unstoppable force meets immovable object type of game the Rams are the highest scoring offense in the league but they face a Vikings defense that's tied giving up the fifth fewest points to opponents this year Um, but with all that said Kirk Cousins was able to find some success against them but it is important to note that Cousins had two rushing touchdowns whereas Goff has had one all year so I still like Goff as a high-end QB2 with upside but I I do downgrade him a little bit and then the receivers are a little bit more predictable we've seen what the Rams offense is trying to do spreading the targets around but hey remember when we talked about Robert Woods as our top wide receiver to add off waivers on last week's show so he had an enormous game. Hopefully you listened to that advice. But um, here, I mean, he's still just a low-end flex. I, I think this is a very good Viking secondary. Xavier Rhodes uh, really shut down Josh Doxson when they met. And uh, I, I do agree with your love for Cooper Cup this week. Uh, I don't have him in my wide receiver two range, but I do have him as a wide receiver three or upside flex play. Um, the Vikings are more susceptible to giving up plays out of the slot with Harrison Smith struggling a little bit and we saw Jameson Crowder do some damage as for the tight end position we just we talked about this last week that split between Higby and Everett just makes it tough to trust either week to week but Higby does have upside as a tight end to play given how bad Washington is at covering that position yes yes sir Case Keenum looked awesome versus Washington I don't expect them to mess with this. Uh, they, they already came out and said Case Keenum is going to probably start this week. Uh, Bridgewater is is getting healthier, but you know, like I said last week, if it's not broke, don't, don't fix it. Case Keenum went 304 yards, four touchdowns, two interceptions, which of course you don't like to see, but he had a great connection with his wide receivers here. Uh, uh, Stefan Diggs is a wide receiver one with no dominant corner following him this week. Uh, Thielen's a wide receiver two after an awesome eight 166 yard touchdown day 
Rudolph returns low on tight end one value here. No change to the running backs. I prefer Jarek McKinnon in all formats. A little more in PPR even where he is a low end running back two and Murray is a flex. Yeah, I mean, I agree with pretty much everything you just said about the Vikings. I have Case Keenum ranked just below Jared Goff as a high-end QB2, and I think this is going to be a surprisingly high-scoring game despite how well both defenses have played thus far. Um, The other note, I just want to say that I've severely underestimated just how talented Adam Thielen is. I've continually thought that his production was kind of fluky due to that target share and when Diggs was out, but he's been a legit wide receiver for real and fantasy purposes, and uh yeah i was definitely wrong about him i certainly can't blame you there so was literally every nfl team who did not draft him undrafted free agent signed by the vikings uh speaking of give me the vikings yeah i'm not sure if Thielen was even invited to the combine uh as a matter of fact but yeah i will take the vikings at home but i do think this is gonna be a good game this was uh, this was my hardest game to pick this week. I actually had the Rams jotted down, if you saw in the in the notes before. I did. Yeah. Very wishy washy you are. What's that? I said very wishy washy you are. Eh, this is a tough one. You know we we know that <laughs> no, that's Washington. Fair. Washington at New Orleans. Kirk Cousins had a tough day scoring through the air as expected versus Minnesota, but still turned a great fantasy day. 327 yards, one touchdown, one interception, and two rushing touchdowns. So we weren't that far off uh, dropping him from our expectations to a uh, uh, quarterback too. But, you know, you, can never, you can't expect him to throw 12 points just for rushing touchdowns. He's a solid quarterback one this week versus New Orleans. Rob Kelly went down and could miss some extended time here, which expands Green's role. But I still only like Chris Thompson as a PPR running back two out of this backfield. Uh, Thompson added another nine carries, 26 yards, and three catches on seven targets for 41 receiving. Vernon Davis continues to be a tight end one with Reed out. No exception this week. Seven catches, 76 yards. And Jameson Crowder tallied 11 targets, uh, converting only four for 76. As uh, Xavier Rhodes mostly sat on Josh Daxon. Maurice Harris out of nowhere with a slick diving 30-yard touchdown, uh, 36-yard touchdown catch. And Terrell Pryor had another zero target day. Uh, Jameson Crowder is returning to that preseason expected wide receiver three or flex player value there. And Daxon is slowly becoming relevant uh, but just isn't a regular regular starter just yet he may have some solid value this week versus new orleans as washington will need to score big to keep up with the saints um definitely uh, could be a better flex option than a lot of those out there oh boy um i don't know if you saw what new orleans just did to buffalo but yeah, I'm, I'm not saying this is gonna be that kind of blowout but i've definitely downgraded kirk cousins to a qb2 this week I, I do not expect them to have a great time down in new orleans since they're by the saints have held opposing quarterbacks to an average of 8.8 fantasy points um i think washington's gonna trail in this game which should set up chris thompson with plenty of targets in that passing game and we'll see how Jordan Reed practices this week, but Vernon Davis has been involved even when Reed has played. If Reed does play, uh, Davis is still an upside tight end two, and obviously if Reed is out, then Davis is a tight end one. But Jamison Crowder, I actually love him this week. Uh, he's a low-end wide receiver two for me this week in this matchup. I think he's going to see a ton of targets, especially with Lattimore covering those outside wide receivers. I think we're going to see... Doxon, uh, you know, kind of go away a little bit in this game. Just a desperation wide receiver four for me. And I think Crowder is going to see just a ton of targets as a result. So, and then finally, uh, with Rob Kelly out, uh, Samaje Pirine is an interesting pickup. Uh, Kelly's going to be out three to four weeks, maybe even landing on IR. And 
you know, Kelly's not a great play this week in what is probably going to be a bad game script trailing the Saints. Uh, but we're going to talk about P. Ryan more in that waiver wire section at the end for sure. He's got RB2 upside rest of the season with that Washington offensive line finally healthy. Ooh, them, them, I'm feeling the heat here. Those are fighting words. Where do you want to draw the line? You know, I got to stand up for Captain Kirk here. Uh, in terms of a bet? Yes, sir. I, um, I will. You can't, you can't come at my boy like that and expect to go home happy. You really think he's going to be a uh, solid QB one? I believe those were your words. Sure. Just set it at quarterback 10 and make it a one versus two. How's that sound? Okay, I will. I will say Kirk Cousins is not a t- top ten quarterback in fantasy points this week. Ten and higher, more like number six this week. Uh, let's do it. Okay. As for the Saints, what a dominant showing by New Orleans against the Bills. Just like you just said, uh, maybe the Bills defense isn't as stout as we thought. Uh, may have had a little softer matchups in the in the early goings of uh, the season. Who knows? Brees had a very quiet day considering the forty-seven points they scored. 184 yards, zero touchdowns, zero interceptions, but he did have a rushing touchdown. Uh, You aren't expecting that and hope it does not happen this week. Uh, You want a little more than that, that's for sure. This offense is way too high scoring to consider benching Breeze, though. Uh, These running backs are, again, both running back ones for me this week. Versus Buffalo, they went Ingram. 21 carries, 131 yards, and three touchdowns. Kamara, 12 carries, 106 yards, and a touchdown with five catches, 32 yards receiving. The third string running back even got in the action. Uh, he actually got nine carries and added a touchdown as well. Mike Thomas with nine catches, 117 yards, a weekly wide receiver one. Uh, the other guys didn't do much, and could you blame them? Uh, every coach is, uh, will run in this league if you can, they can reproduce this sort of rushing success. Now, Mike Thomas may have a bit of trouble with Josh Norman, but I don't expect a major drop off. You're not you're not dropping him out of, you know, certainly not out of starting ranks regardless. Uh, Ted Ginn went only one catch here. I'd avoid him. I'd avoid Snead. I'd avoid Coleman for now. Not a lot of production about uh, among them recently. Probably a, uh, a cannibalizing sort of situation, just like we talked about before with uh, who are we talking about? Sorry, what do you mean? Never mind. <laughs> you mean in comparison to Coleman and Snead? Yeah, it was it was Detroit. That's what we were comparing them to. Uh, Detroit, how uh, Galladay, Jones, Jones are just uh, eating into each other. Yeah, but I don't I don't think that's necessarily the situation here. So, um, well, well, let's start with Breeze first. Um, Breeze has not been a great fantasy quarterback. Uh, the Saints are winning, and that's great for Saints fans, but for fantasy players, Drew Brees has been awful. <laughs> I mean, per J.J. Zacharyson, Drew Brees has finished higher than 10th in weekly quarterback scoring just one time this year. And really, with that defense dominating and the offense running a ton of run plays as a result, Brees has not been an elite fantasy quarterback like in years past, mostly because his passing attempts are just down. He's really just a low-end QB1 for me, um, I mean, he's got that upside always, and he's not going to ruin your week like some streaming options can, but he's really not that elite guy anymore. And of course, you're starting both the running backs and Michael Thomas, too. Um, and to your point, uh, Josh Norman, he really doesn't shadow opposing wide receivers and sticks to that left side. So I think they're going to scheme Thomas away from him if they can. Um, so I'm not worried about him at all. And then for Ted Ginn, I think it's a decent wide receiver three or flex play as well. Uh, this Redskins defense has been struggling a little bit. 
Um, and finally, as for the tight ends, Josh Hill had one catch for negative two yards and a fumble, and Kobe Fleener had an awful drop against Buffalo. Even though Washington gives up a ton of fantasy points to opposing tight ends, I would definitely avoid the Saints tight ends. All right, that said, I still pick the uh, the Saints to win this week. Yeah, give me the Saints at home. Kansas City at the New York Giants. Uh, I don't know what Andy Reid's doing to limit Kareem Hunt, but let's hope he stops it right now, or else I might have to drop him from a high-end running back one slot. Uh, the Giants' defense is not showing up, and uh, Smith and company should all be fine starts all, uh, as good potential plays here. Um, not not a ton to talk about. Yeah, I'm really not worried about Kareem Hunt. The touchdowns are going to come. It's just been, you know, unlucky for him. You know, Travis Kelsey and Tyreek Hill have been scoring some longer touchdowns, and they really haven't had a ton of red zone run plays. Um, really, I, I think he'll, he'll be fine. And in what's pretty sure, I, I'm pretty sure is going to be a revitalized Chiefs offense. Uh, Andy Reid's had a bye week to scheme up some new plays. Um, and this week, I have Alex Smith as a top three QB one. Um, Hunt is a top three running back. Kelsey's my number one tight end in PPR this week over Gronk. Um, and I've got Tyreek Hill as a high-end wide receiver too. Start them all against the Giants team that's basically given up. And, you know, all Ben McAdoo can say to motivate them at halftime is... um. <laughs> Yeah, the, the, the Giants defense, or at least all of its key players, have officially given up. And and personally, I, I think it's disgusting. They're making millions of dollars out there to put out a terrible product, not performing their jobs, and letting the fans down, really, who at the end of the day are paying their salaries. It's a disgrace. It's an embarrassment. There should be some sort of fine or something, but I digress. Uh, the offense is still doing what they can can to try. Evan Ingram hasn't given up. He's a tight end one. Darkwa continues to earn his keep and is a running back two versus Kansas City. Sterling Shepard's a wide receiver two as well this week versus Kansas City's beatable defense. Uh, 11 catches, 142 yards last week. Nice game versus San Francisco definitely. Uh, while, while the rest of this team is quitting, you know, the the, the backups, the the special teamers should really look at this as an opportunity to step up and earn themselves uh, some real playing time. Maybe Maybe a good, nice contract heading forward. Yeah, I mean, I like Shepard as well, and, and same with Ingram, but I'm going to disagree with you here on Darkwa. I don't know how much this Giants offense is going to be able to run the ball when they're down like 21 points by halftime, which is what I think <laughs> yeah. is going to happen in this game. And so Darkwa's just a flex play with a little bit of upside this week for me. Um, but I do like the other two guys. I think they're going to get theirs in fantasy, even though their team sucks right now. But uh, give me give me the Chiefs on the road with the bye week to prepare. Oh, yeah. Give me the Chiefs in your game of the week. Super exciting. Yeah, I think that uh, that offense is going to score a ton of points on the Giants. Right. Uh, Tampa Bay at Miami. Believe it or not, the Bucks just beat the Jets to add to their win column with Fitzpatrick starting, Evans suspended. The NFL is a weird league sometimes. Uh, Evans should be a wide receiver one no matter who starts a quarterback. And, and Winston may miss another week. Jackson and Goodwin both led the team with 10 targets this week. Uh, I wouldn't count on relevance for either of them again versus Miami. Humphreys and Bright did absolutely nothing. It was just bizarre week for Tampa. Uh, Doug Martin went 20 carries, 51 yards, and continues put, to put up RB3 numbers with a running back one workload. I guess that makes him a low-end running back, too. I I don't know. If, there's, if you have better options on your team, I'd certainly look towards starting them. He hasn't done anything this year. Yeah, I I think you're higher on a lot of these running backs than I am. Uh, I, uh, I I don't like him, but you know the carries the carries are there, but he's just garbage. Yeah, but he's just a flex. I mean, that whole offense is so bad that he doesn't even get close to the end zone. And I mean, yeah. Martin might be getting the workload, but it's just miserable. I mean, 
I'm not sure what to say, really. You're starting Evans as wide receiver one, and I think Braid is still a high-end tight end, too, but really, those are the only two quote-unquote safe guys there. Uh, you know, it's a definite downgrade for Deshaun Jackson. Um, I assume he's going back to the, running some of those deeper routes with Evans taking up some of that shorter stuff that he got. Um, Jackson just a low and flex play for me, and Fitzpatrick does not have a great deep ball. I mean, this entire offense just looks awful, and I, I've dropped Martin, in fact, in a couple leagues for guys like Deion Lewis and Danny Woodhead, and Martin really doesn't need to be owned right now if there are options for you on the waiver wire. Yeah, when when, when you put him against names like that, I, yeah, he's... He's he's a bad flex, really. You know, he's he's that's really all he is right now. Yeah, because um, I mean, my thinking is guys like Lewis or or even Rex Burkhead, they might have some crappy weeks for you, like three por- four point weeks, but at least they have upside. What what's Doug Martin's upside here? Yeah, maybe eight points, maybe is up. Yeah, I mean, you, you're right. You're absolutely right. Um, Miami plays the Panthers tonight. Of course, Jay should be able to get the ball to Landry and Parker just fine versus the Bucks. Both are wide receiver twos for me. Um, that, that I am firm on. I like both those receivers. Uh, we'll see who's right uh, Who's right tonight about the running backs. I, I like them both as flexes. Mung isn't a fan, um, I believe. Correct? You said you liked uh, Joe Mixon better than both of them? Yeah, that's correct. Uh, I mean, really, I, I think the receptions and the yards after the catch are going to be limited against Thomas Davis and Luke Keekley and Shaq Thompson and you know, just roam, roam in the middle of the field. But, uh, you know, and, and actually it's important to note here that Damian Williams technically got the start. So we'll see how, how the the usage works out tonight as well. But certainly I like the wide receivers that you mentioned against Tampa Bay. And I like Kenyon Drake as a low-end RB2. Uh, I would I would start him over Doug Martin, uh, over Orleans Darkwa, because I think they're going to run all over this Tampa Bay defense. And really, I, I like Williams as a flex play as well next week. Um Cutler, in fact, should be a decent streaming option. And the other thing to note is we'll see if Julius Thomas's usage against Oakland was fluky or potentially the beginning of a trend. Um, he is a tight end to monitor in deeper leagues for now. There we go. Uh, I'm going to take Miami at home in the battle of over Florida. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'll take Miami too, but I think it could easily be, you know, Tampa Bay here stealing one away from a, an also bad team. Tampa Bay uh, was was an early early preseason trendy uh, Super Bowl pick. Let's not forget that. Buffalo at the L.A. Chargers. I still want to say Clippers every time. Uh, the Bills just got manhandled at home by the Saints, but should return to form a bit here. Uh, Taylor should be a low end quarterback one versus L.A. Uh, McCoy had a second bad week in a row, but you don't you lose faith in your studs that easily. Kelvin Benjamin managed three catches on six for forty two yards. We'll see increased target numbers as he learns this offense better. I think they're going to try and feed him more and it will be to the detriment of the other wide receivers unfortunately he's a low-end wide receiver two in buffalo if not a wide receiver three probably more like at this point and everyone else falls out of relevance for now yeah i mean i, I think i would go back to tyrod taylor and LaShawn mccoy this week but i'm not as high on benjamin as you are he's just a middling flex option here his targets are inconsistent he got that end zone target that was barely off target could easily have been a touchdown but you know, I, I just don't trust him at this point. And I'll mention Charles Clay as well as a high-end tight end two option this week. Um, he did see three targets in his first game back, and those numbers should continue to go up as he's kind of worked back into this offense as that reliable go-to guy for Tyrod Taylor. Uh, the Chargers momentarily went back to creatively losing uh, late in games despite intercepting Blake Bortles twice late in the fourth quarter, set themselves up for success. 
But uh, Buffalo got crushed by New Orleans, but but uh, this is a better defense. But Buffalo's a better defense than that and should rebound. Uh, I'm avoiding Rivers, especially with the news that he is now on concussion protocol um, out of absolute nowhere. No big hits that I knew of, but, uh, you know, he's suddenly in concussion protocol, according to the team. Melvin Gordon's a running back one due to his alert workload, despite his nine point day. Unlike Doug Martin, he does usually to do something with that. Uh, Austin Eckler really grabbed all the points with 10 carries, 42 yards plus five catches, 77 yards, and two touchdowns. I don't know where that came from, but uh, if you can sell it to the Gordon owner, do it now. I, I don't think you can start Eckler. He's definitely worth a handcuff if Gordon gets hurt. Uh, Gordon's day likely had a lot to do with playing Jacksonville, though, and the same goes for the wide receivers. Nobody's top 50 yards here uh, from the wide receiving side. I like Allen as a wide receiver, two versus Buffalo, and they really are just too many other similar options to play here. Uh, I'd avoid Henry again this week versus Buffalo. Yeah, I mean, I don't know how you can ever consider the Chargers contenders when Blake Bortles throws two interceptions with under two minutes to go and you still lose the game. It just, right. I, I mean, there's just pure incompetence on some level, and I, I can't explain it. But um, yeah, Philip Rivers uh, is in the concussion protocol. We'll see if he's able to play. Um, if he is, then certainly you're starting Keenan Allen. But I think even if Kellen Clemens starts here, uh, you're still starting Allen. I think he'll be able to get him the ball out of the slot here. And really, even if Rivers starts, he's been hashtag not good for fantasy. And he really got bailed out by Austin Eckler doing all the work on those two touchdowns, pretty much all yards after the catch from Eckler. Um Rivers just a high-end QB2 for me this week, even if he does play. Um, I, I love Melvin Gordon here. Uh, he should be a great start as an RB1. So in, in Buffalo's first seven games, they allowed 80 rushing yards per game. But in the last two games, since they traded away Marcel Darius to Jacksonville, the Bills have allowed 194 rushing yards to the Jets and 298 to the Saints this last week. I mean, fire up Melvin Gordon, man. Uh, I think he's one of my favorite running back plays. Top three for sure for me this week. Great point on Marcel Darius. Uh, Buffalo may be sneakily trying to tank right now in the midst of being uh, a, a, a over 500 team. How cool is that? Uh, that said, give me Buffalo. Give me the Chargers at home. Ooh, this will be an exciting week. Yeah, we'll see. All right. Cincinnati at Denver kicking off our 4.30 p.m. games, uh, Eastern time, of course. The Bengals actually looked like they could have gotten away with a win here, but gave up that late touchdown. Dalton played well, 265 yards, two touchdowns, but we know how bad Tennessee's secondary is. He'll have trouble in Denver, of course. A.J. Green, five catches, 115 yards, and a touchdown, but it's probably more of a low-end wide receiver one this week, of course, versus Denver. And, uh... Oh, the one whose name always escapes me because it's that hard one to say, that uh, that Denver cornerback. There's a lot of I's in it, nays, and a lot of vowels. Keep, I keep to leave. Team that's team. the one. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Uh, start your stars in high draft picks regardless, usually. Uh, Brandon LaFell, six catches, 95 yards, and a touchdown here. But again, that's what happens versus Tennessee. Tyler Croft is a good play this week, despite only connecting on one of six targets for four yards. We know Denver has trouble versus tight ends, even though Grant couldn't score this last week. And Mixon actually scored a touchdown this week, 37 yards on nine carries. But Denver's rough on running backs, too. He's a low-end running back three here. Uh, Giovanni Bernard had 10 yards rushing, five catches, 38 yards receiving this past week, which is the most he's had in a while. Uh, he could have some PPR value going forward, not necessarily this week, if you're desperate uh, because Jeremy Hill is done for the season. It's officially a two-back committee. 
Yeah, I'm not too high on Gio Bernard despite that catching line. Uh, I just don't know that he's going to get that consistent usage. And But certainly I'm starting AJ Green. It's not like the Denver defense has played that well this year, and, and they haven't won a game since their bye week. They lost to Eli Manning and Phillip Rivers to put, put this defense in perspective for you. Um, and I certainly don't love Andy Dalton, but I think he's an okay QB2. You got nobody else. Uh, and likewise, you know, AJ Green should be fine. And Tyler Croft is a decent streaming tight end option, even though, um, you know, he didn't do well last week. I I'm not too worried about that. And similarly, you know, they limited Gronk, but uh, they made sure to double or triple cover him. And if Cincinnati is at all smart, they're going to try to get Mixon in space uh, along with Tyler Croft and really... Uh, you know, run those short routes uh, like New England did with uh, Rex Burkhead. And, you know, I like Mixon as a high-end flex play. I think he's got a little bit of upside this week. Yes, they will not be uh, doubling Tyler Croft, that's for sure. Uh, I'll take Denver at home here versus Cincinnati. Uh, I mean, I'll take Denver too, but you want to talk about them at least? Oh, uh, I guess so. Uh, Brock, uh, we just, just want to skip I, over I, Brock Osweiler, you know. I, I didn't really, because uh, Brock Osweiler, I mean, I, I've said my piece on him last week. All right, <laughs> fine. Fine. Here, here. Brock Osweiler didn't look awful. How's that sound? Although it's probably a function of the New England defense, who has definitely been better, but is not elite still, despite the despite uh, the television wanting to tell you that they are. Um, and, uh, and having those awesome wide receivers. I mean, Emmanuel Sanders and Demaryius Thomas is uh, Demarius Thomas are superstars who are just caught in the drugs of uh, caught in the drugs of De of Denver. Twenty two hundred and twenty one yards, one touchdown, one interception, keeping both wide receivers relevant this week. Uh, Emmanuel Sanders six catches on eleven targets, hundred and thirty seven yards. Demarius Thomas five of eight for forty four in the touchdown. Uh, I, I don't care how bad he is if he keeps getting the ball to them. Okay. Uh, that said, I have them both as wide receiver threes versus Cincinnati. The tight ends and running backs were pretty absent th this game. C.J. Anderson's ten carries, fifty four yards. Charles eight for thirty eight. Booker eight for twenty four. A terrible timeshare in a terrible situation. Terribly fantasy irrelevant. Yeah, and like you said, I actually do like both of the Denver wide receivers here. Uh, despite Osweiler's incompetence, you know, there's really nobody else that he's going to throw it to except those two guys, and they, they've been doing all right, and Sanders was actually burning Malcolm Butler for the whole first half of that game. Um, but longer term, I, I do want to talk about this team just a little bit because it sounds like Paxton Lynch is throwing a little bit more in practice, getting up to speed, getting healthy. And I do think that there's fantasy upside galore for these wide receivers if Paxton Lynch takes over. He's kind of that got that gunslinger mentality. Um, I think he could be a really good thing for this Denver offense in terms of fantasy, at least. Um, so keep your eye on the QB practice status of uh, Paxton Lynch here. And then finally, you know, Vance Joseph did also say today that they're considering going to a workhorse running back uh, if somebody kind of separates from the pack, and that somebody might be Devontae Booker. So not necessarily worth adding, but if you've got that bench space and you're really desperate running back, you know, there's there's some upside there if he can take over that job. At this point in the fantasy season, the more relevant players, the better, uh, especially if you're especially if you're not locked into a bye week or anything, that's for sure. Yeah, and, and I'll give you an example. I might... I, I might roster Devontae Booker over a guy like Doug Martin and because if he does happen to start getting the same amount of touches as Martin, I, I think he would do more with them. All right. Uh, sort of that uh, sort of that low value at the start, but high potential sort of play like uh, like James Conner, who's been sitting on my roster in a league for, for the entire season. 
But I digress. Uh, I'll take Denver this week. Yeah, sure. And, and just to you know, expand on that a little bit. Obviously, if you need you know wins now, you're not rostering guys like Devontae Booker or James Conner. But if you're set, if you're pretty much locked in the playoffs, you want those high upside guys. You don't want guys who are going to get you like six to ten points per game because that's not going to help you. No, sir. New England at Oakland. Talk about a team that uh, not that isn't going to have a bunch of uh, players that score only six or eight points this week. Uh, the Patriots just gave the Broncos a certified spanking. Uh, they made the elite defense look silly. Brady went 266 yards, three touchdowns, zero interception. Of course, he's a quarterback one versus Oakland. Rex Burkhead got his most work of the season. 10 carries, 36 yards, three catches for 27 and a touchdown to Lewis's 14 carries, 55 yards and a touchdown. And James White had a nice day. Two carries, seven yards, plus three catches, 11 yards and that touchdown. Still preserving an 11 point day right there. All right. Uh, Mike Gillisley was inactive and likely will be next week as well. Burkhead's use may have increased with Hogan out, but who can be certain may have nothing to do with Hogan. Uh, Cooks won six for 74 Gronk four of seven for 74 and the newly acquired Martellus Bennett had some early game catches total three catches 38 yards is he injured is he not does he need surgery his 16 surgeons that aren't on the Packers staff seem to think so but apparently he doesn't like those guys anymore it all seems pretty darn sketchy to me and I'm not a Bennett fan this is not a secret to anyone he doesn't seem to fit the Patriot way but hey it's 2017 the Patriot way is probably just a catchphrase anyways words are wind uh, start all your normal Patriots versus Oakland of course yeah, there's a, there's a lot to talk about here about the Patriots. Uh, you know, I believe I won that Deion Lewis bet from last week. He did score uh, more points in PPR than James White. Um, but but that's that's mostly because of that that return touchdown, that punt return. No, even outside of that punt return touchdown, he still outscored James White. Um, by but only by point eight points. All right. I mean, hey, uh, I believe a, a famous person once said, uh, "Winning's winning, whether it's by an inch or a mile." Point is, James White is a very good player. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, look, you were happy if you started any of the Patriots running backs this past week. Um, Oakland doesn't really scare you. Brady's a QB1, and I'd probably go with Lewis again as the preferred play of the three running backs, but really all three are flex-worthy. Um, it's going to be tough with this timeshare, but luckily, unlike uh, a timeshare like in Seattle, it's a good offense, so you can start all of them. Um, you're starting Cooks and Gronk, of course, and Gronk would have had a much bigger day had the refs not screwed him over on that goal line catch. Um, it looked like a catch to me, and I think it would have been marked down by contact anyway before he rolled into the end zone, but still a little salty about that one where I, I needed a few more points from him in, in a few leagues. But as for Chris Hogan, it sounds like he's going to be out for at least one more week, and in that scenario, I do like Rex Burkhead over James White because I think uh, he's going to see a few more of those short catches. And Amendola, also a desperation flex play if Hogan's out as well. Um, he only had four catches for 36 yards, but Amendola really could have been used more had it not turned into such a blowout. And as for Martellus Bennett, this is a serious but interesting situation. I mean, I don't know enough at all to shed light on this whole contract or injury mess, but I'm not going to get into that too much. Uh, I'm going to stick to what I know, and that's fantasy. And fantasy-wise, Martellus Bennett is worth an ad. Um, Julian Edelman being out this year really frees up the Patriots to play more of those two tight end sets with Cooks and Hogan on the outside and then Bennett and Gronk on the field at the same time. So I think Bennett could be a solid PPR tight end too, um, boom or bust every week, but 
he could even be a low-end tight end one if he starts getting those intermediate targets, uh, even with Gronk playing. And, of course, if anything were to happen to Gronk, Bennett would be a, a, the best hand, tight end handcuff available out there. I think uh, the, the addicts would be best served to just listen to last season's uh, preseason podcast where, uh, where you addressed Gronk and Bennett. You loved him last year. Yeah, but, I mean, honestly, even more so this year because – Edelman was always that safety blanket and Cooks and um, Cooks and Hogan really don't run the same sort of route so Bennett could easily take over that middle of the field position definitely an excellent point definitely an excellent point um, as for the Oakland Raiders this could be a decent matchup for the Raiders here with that uh, with that defense Patriot defense has been better still has holes uh, both wide receivers could turn wide receiver two type days here hopefully and I, those are two guys I really do like to succeed uh, Jared Cook has pushed his way into tight end one consideration for me he's uh, I finally done it I'm flipping the switch he's shown me that he can hang on to the football he must have practiced a lot this offseason Marshawn Lynch has reclaimed his role in this backfield a running back two right here uh car's definitely gonna need to push this offense to score all day Ooh, i think uh, i think you're a lot higher on the uh on the oakland raiders than i am this week um i actually like the the patriots defense as a play um but i'll get to that in just a little bit let's start with um let's start with Derek carr here even though the patriots defense has been playing better malcolm butler has still been struggling in coverage he allowed over 100 yards to sanders in the first half alone um, and for that reason, I have Crabtree as a decent mid to low end wide receiver two with upside and Amari Cooper is a boomer bust wide receiver three. Um, but really, uh, Jared Cook's inconsistency still scares me. You might have flipped that switch, but I certainly am not quite there yet. Um, he, he's been integrated into a key piece of this offense, though. So he is a decent low end tight end one start. He's just still risky. Um, but again, the Patriots are giving up a, a decent amount of plays as well to opposing tight ends. So um, certainly has upside here. But I, I wouldn't have Lynch as an RB2 either uh, just because of the, the timeshare in that Raiders backfield. Um, he's a flex for me. It's an okay matchup. But I also expect the Raiders to be trailing most of this game. So I think that frees up uh, more Jalen Richard and DeAndre Washington type of game script. Um, because the one thing I want to note here that I haven't really heard brought up yet is that this game is going to be in Mexico City, and that altitude is going to make it tough on both teams, um, similar to when teams are playing in Denver. But here's the thing. I, I think the Patriots are really going to be much more prepared for this game because um, here, here this. Uh, they're staying in Colorado Springs uh, to practice all week so they don't have to go back and forth, uh, back to the East Coast, and then back down to Mexico City. And really, um, here's a fun fact. They're going to have a full week of practice in Colorado Springs, whose altitude is 6,035 feet. Um, a fun fact, that's higher than Denver's altitude, which is 5,280 feet. And then Mexico City's is even higher at 7,382 feet. So, um, by the way, if you were wondering, Oakland is just 43 feet above sea level. So in terms of conditioning, I really think there's a big edge to the Patriots. Um, just another example of Bill Belichick being three steps ahead of everybody else. And I really think the Patriots are going to dominate this game on offense and defense, especially as they get into that second half. I think the Raiders guys are going to be really winded and they're just going to take advantage of this matchup. Hmm. That's interesting. Cause on the flip side, Colorado Springs 
is near Denver, and it's snowing in both Denver and Colorado Springs, whereas this game is in Mexico City, where it is not snowing. As a matter of fact, it's very hot down in Mexico, and no place keeps it hotter than Las Vegas, and the Raiders are moving to Las Vegas. So I, I think I think you've got your math mixed up there, Mung. <laughs> I mean, if that's how you want to look at it, but I, I really think this is going to be like one of those games where the conditioning is going to help, much like in that Super Bowl last year. Yeah, that's uh, that's a super that's that's a very interesting point. And you're right. I haven't heard that anywhere. Um, I think uh, New England could sleep in this entire week and still beat the Raiders. But hey, do what you got to do to prepare. Yeah. Give me the Patriots by like 50, man. <laughs> there we go. Uh, Philadelphia at Dallas, your Sunday night football. Carrie Underwood will ring in the day on that one. Philadelphia came off. It will come off. It's by hopefully Zach Ertz is fully ready to play. Sounds like he is practicing this week. Uh, he's too fun to watch and not have on the field in prime time. A weekly tight end one. I think by this time, uh, a becomes a lead Ajay, sorry, becomes the lead back and probably a high end running back two in a timeshare with mostly Corey Clement as the passing down back. Uh, Elshon is the wide receiver two this week. And uh, I think they lean on the running back committee here versus Dallas. I know that's flipping the switch from that, that four back RBBC that we saw before, but I, I, I don't think this is a team that wants to do that. Ajay is good. Blunt has not been great. And Clement has really outshined Wendell Smallwood. Yeah, I'm, uh, I have no issue with what you said here about the Eagles. I, I do think they took this bye week to get Ajayi up to speed. I'm assuming he's going to be that lead back on early downs. Um, and I agree with that high-end RB2 ranking. Um, I just, I really don't think they traded for him to not use him. So um, fire him up if you've got him. And then uh, I do like Alshon Jeffrey, but I also like Nelson Aguilar a lot as a high-end wide receiver three or flex play against a poor Dallas secondary and then Sean Lee's also out three weeks, uh, and that should help Aguilar as well. Over, you know, increases that ceiling even more um, over the middle of the field. And then, of course, uh, if Zach Ertz plays, uh, you know, that helps him as well. Um, and it sounds likely as he practiced today, so hopefully Ertz will be able to suit up here. But certainly, at least keep monitoring that situation. And then we'll talk a little bit more about this in the streaming section in just a few minutes, but. Uh, the Eagles' defense might be worth a stream, uh, depending on the health of Dallas's left tackle, Tyron Smith. For Dallas, uh, Dak was badly limited and sacked all day by the Atlanta pass rush with their left tackle, Tyron Smith, missing. He could have trouble again versus a better Philadelphia defense. He's a low-end quarterback one uh, because his rushing does not go away. He added 42 yards and a touchdown on the ground here this week. Uh, the running back situation is a little clearer with Morris is a uh, running back three or flex versus Philadelphia. Uh, Rod Smith getting most of the passing down work. Uh, 11 carries for Morris, three carries plus three targets for Smith and only one touch for Darren McFadden. Uh, nothing really t changes for me uh, for Desert Witten. Philadelphia is tough, but I, I don't see them as top options most weeks. Yeah, I mean, Dallas was awful against Atlanta. They couldn't get anything going without Tyron Smith in their, in their left tackle. And if he's out again, I downgrade all the Cowboys players, but it sounds like he's leaning towards playing this week. So if that happens, I do like Dak as a low-end QB1. Um, and Alfred Morris was actually effective, but the Cowboys just got too far down against Atlanta for them to really stick with the run. So, I mean, I, I think Morris should be a high-end RB3 or flex play here, um, maybe even low-end RB2, uh, as long as he gets that usage again. And then Rod Smith is a decent low-end flex in PPR as the pass-catching back. Um, he got a lot of targets in that last game, and then 
Of course, Darren McFadden is clearly the odd man out here. Uh, he can be dropped in all but the deepest leagues. Um, and then again, assuming that Tyron Smith returns for this game, I like Dez as a high-end wide receiver too. Witten as a low-end tight end one. I think they're going to trail again in this game against a high-powered Philadelphia offense. And, you know, really, uh, with Smith in, Dak's going to have a little bit more time to throw than he had against Atlanta. Um, and none of the wide receivers really did much, but I guess Terrence Williams would be that preferred desperation wide receiver for if you had to start one of these Cowboys receivers. No Bryce Butler drop this week. That's uh, that's too bad, considering I think uh, he had his highest output of the last five weeks this game. You know, I, I just... I, if they actually used him, but he's just not playing that much. Yeah. Uh, give me the Eagles this week as he as they start to pull away, uh, start to run away with this division. Yeah, give me the Eagles. Atlanta at Seattle, birds of prey coming in for the day. Uh, the Falcons put together a nice game versus the Cowboys, led mostly by the injuries to Tyron Smith and Sean Lee. I, I really think that's what gave them this nice big win versus Dallas. Uh, Freeman came out with a concussion. He's out this week. Uh, Tevin Coleman finally gets running back one status. Uh, Taron Ward was getting some carries during mop-up duty, but I do not expect that to happen much this Monday. Uh, Julio Jones won six catches, 57 yards, and, and could be fine here despite playing the Seahawks. Richard Sherman is out for the season. Uh, Jones could be in for a really big day. Yeah, sorry, just a quick game update here. On that swing pass to, uh, on that little swing to Jonathan Stewart, that Dolphins defender, yeah, Stewart was like, kind of tripped up and trying to stay in bounds and he like pushed him forward like five yards and he got the first down as a result i mean i don't understand that um no but anyway uh going back to atlanta here uh, look the seahawks defense is incredibly banged up right now richard sherman's out for the season with that achilles injury um cam chancellor is questionable with a stinger this week and then cliff averill they lost to ir earlier this season with that neck injury so you know, it sounds like Earl Thomas might be ready to come back this week from that hamstring, but even so, I think Matt Ryan should be a startable as a low-end QB1 here, even on the road at Seattle. Um, and of course, with Devontae Freeman out with that concussion, Tevin Coleman, that low-end RB1, uh, even though Teron Ward got some of those touches, Coleman should get the bulk of the carries and, and the workload. And, you know, with Sherman out, uh, even though their cornerbacks are still pretty good, uh, Julio is better than good and... Uh, even Sherman has a hard time matching up him with him. So certainly I like Julio as a wide receiver one this week. Um, Sanu's a good wide receiver three or flex, even though he was quiet last week against Dallas. And then even Austin Hooper, he's an okay streaming tight end too. He's gotten six targets now in three straight games, and he's got some upside with Cam Chancellor out, and he gets bumped up to a tight end one in the, on the off chance that Earl Thomas does not return for this game. On the Seahawks side of the football, they, they continue to have new and exciting storylines at running back. Uh, Lacey was out this week, ProSize returned, and then immediately injured his opposite ankle. Just amazing. That left us with Thomas Rawls, 10 carries, 27 yards, and two catches, and J.D. McKissick, five uh, carries for 26 yards with four of five receptions for 20 yards receiving. Uh, the majority of the passing down work goes to McKissick here. Lacey will likely be back for this game, and this is a really frustrating situation, but I think if he's healthy, Lacey is the one to start here. Uh, they've shown that that's what they want to do, and Rawls has not really taken this this uh, taken this job by the by the by the by the hand and made it his own. Uh, Wilson Did you say is by the ham? <laughs> by the hand. I, well, I didn't want to. I didn't want to say by the balls, Bung. Okay. 
<laughs> well, no, I, I thought you said by the ham for a second, like a fat joke, but that's all right. No, no, by the hand, uh, like a marriage joke. Oh, um, I, I see what? what you're trying to do there now. <laughs> yeah, uh, Wilson and his receiver. Yeah, because uh, Wilson's married or something. Wilson and his receivers fared better. 238 yards, two touchdowns, 19 yards rushing for Russell Wilson. Jimmy Graham, six catches, 27 yards, two touchdowns. They are quarterback and tight end one this week. Doug Baldwin, five of six for 95 with a really nice 54-yard broken play uh, made by Wilson's athleticism against the pass rush. Richardson and Lockett had only one catch each again this week and are both high-risk flexes, but more realistically, wide receiver four or five types. Yeah, don't love either of them, but uh, Paul Richardson would probably be the preferred option of those two. And then, as you said, Lacey's probably the best option out of those running backs, but he's, he's I mean, what's the upside? You know, like 15 carries for like 45 yards and maybe a catch, but I don't know. He's still just a risky flex play. Um, but of course, you're starting Russell Wilson, Doug Baldwin, and Jimmy Graham. Um, Wilson is carrying this team on his back right now with the defense struggling and just no run game. And really, it's Wilson uh, as a top five quarterback every week. Yes, sir. Uh, Russell Wilson, you know, showing up late in games this week. He decided to show up for the majority of the game. Hopefully he does again this week. Uh, Given Seattle Seahawks. Yeah, they lost a close one to Washington, and I don't think they're going to let that happen again. Uh, I mean, I think this will be a close game, but I think Seattle will will take this one. All right. Uh, we've got four teams on by this week. Carolina, Indianapolis, the Jets, and San Francisco. Not a ton of players that uh, you're benching because of that. Carolina plays tonight. We'll see the carry split between McCaffrey and Stewart after Stewart's two-fumble game. Uh, looks like they're still giving the ball to Stewart. I don't know. I would probably cut him or something if I was a coach. That's why I'm not in the league. Uh, Olsen may be back after the bye this week. Indianapolis, uh, Brissett had a really nice day. Almost beat Pittsburgh. Gore continued to dominate carries again. 17 carries, 54 yards to nine touches for Marlon Mack. Carlos Rogers went off for 104 yards and a touchdown. Moncrief had a 60-yard touchdown. Great for them, but I'm not buying it. Uh, New York Jets, Forte needs to heal. McCown was mediocre here, though Robbie Anderson added another nice long touchdown. Uh, Austin Safarian Jenkins continues to be a tight end one and San Francisco heads into the bye week after their first win that we highlighted the show with, with Bethard scoring three touchdowns, though he may return from bye as a backup, uh, with Garoppolo, uh, causing that quarterback controversy. Matt Breida encroached on some work here, got 58 yards and a touchdown for his efforts in it. Uh, you know, nice week for him as well. Yeah, and just a quick game update here. Christian McCaffrey and a little rushing touchdown uh, certainly helps a bunch of my DFS lineups, and I love his little I love his little salute too. Uh, hashtag salute to service this week. Hashtag salute to service. Don't forget five dollars. Uh, and well, that's actually over now, but it's still uh, still important to you know thank our veterans. Well, it's still important, you <laughs> you, you, you jerk. <laughs> yeah. Um. Anyway, so some streaming options here at quarterback. We've got Case Keenum against the Rams, only 16% owned. I don't think this matchup is going to be as easy as the Redskins game, but Keenum's playing well, and especially when he's got a healthy Stephon Diggs, Adam Thielen, and Kyle Rudolph, that offense has so much upside. He's worth a shot if he's out there. Uh, you got Jay Cutler against Tampa Bay at 17% owned. Uh, Look, it's Tampa Bay, right? They picked off Josh McCown, but uh, Miami should be better at home against them. 
And then if you're desperate, you've got Blake Bortles against Cleveland, 31% owned. I mean, he threw some bad picks in this one, but he has scored more than 16 points in the last three games. So if you're desperate, Bortles is out there. My tight ends of the week, Jared Cook versus New England, 71% owned. You guys are catching on. He's become a key piece of this Oakland offense. New England giving up the eighth most points to tight ends on the season. Tyler Croft at Denver, 53% owned. He was bad this past week, but uh, should be still a main uh, uh, should main uh, target receiver in the Cincinnati offense. Denver doubled and sometimes tripled Gronk to limit him, but Croft will not see any of that garbage. He still had six targets this past week. Ben Watson at Green Bay, 11% owned. Seeing consistent targets should be a serviceable tight end, too, in PPR. Yeah, and then rounding it out, we've got some defenses. Actually, quite a few options this week. We've got Arizona at Houston, only 46% owned. I mean, come on, this is one of the best secondaries in the league against poor Tom Savage. Uh, you've got poor New Tom Orleans. Savage. <laughs> right? You've got New Orleans versus Washington, 49% owned. The Saints defense has been on a dominant hot streak. No reason to think they're going to stop doing so at home this week. Um, We already talked a little bit about Baltimore at Green Bay, 69% owned. Uh, Great defense at forcing turnovers against a rookie quarterback who's possibly going to be, you know, limited mobile, excuse me, limited mobility with his hamstring injury. Um, You've got Miami against Tampa Bay, only 8% owned. I mean, Damakon Sue is probably going to eat Ryan Fitzpatrick alive or at least force some fumbles or interceptions. And then finally, we talked about Philadelphia at Dallas, 68%. This is mostly if Tyron Smith is um, inactive for this game. But if Smith plays, then obviously this uh, is not as good of a defensive play. But worth noting that the Eagles also get their number one cornerback, Ronald Darby, back from his injury this week. So. Even if Smith is in, they still have some upside. And to run you through the unfortunate injuries, of course, it's that time again. Uh, Jacoby Brissett, concussion on the bye next week, but likely to return without missing any time in week 12. Jameis Winston had that shoulder sprain. He's week to week, likely out this week as well with Ryan Fitzpatrick starting in his place. Drew Stanton had a knee sprain, likely day to day, should be good to go this week. Uh, Philip Rivers added today to the uh, concussion protocol, sort of a mystery. Hopefully we'll learn a lot more as the, uh, as the week progresses. As far as our running backs go, Devontae Freeman with that concussion out this week, maybe more already concussion during preseason. Go ahead and fire up Tevin Coleman as a uh, running back one. Aaron Jones sprained his MCL, likely out three to six weeks. Ty Montgomery with the rib injury. We're not sure. Possibly this week, possibly this, possibly longer. Rob Kelly, another MCL sprain and high ankle sprain. Combined injury for him, unfortunately, likely out three to four weeks. IR is a possibility for this player. Samajay Perrine would be the uh, reflexive ad right there. Matt Forte has weak swell, knee swelling. He's week to week, has a bye this week. Danny Woodhead with his hamstring likely to return this week, which is nice. And then David Johnson with that bad wrist dislocation had his cast removed today. He could be back as soon as week 12. Yeah, and then a few wide receiver injuries to note here. We've got Alan Hearns with that knee injury. And, and real quick to just highlight what a smart play by him just crawling out of bounds, even though he was hurt because he knew they couldn't afford that 10 second runoff. But he's likely out this week. Um, We've got Chris Hogan with that shoulder sprain. He's doubtful for this week. Possible return in week 12. Will Fuller, he had that rib fracture, and he's doubtful for this week, but he could return after missing just one week as well. 
And then Corey Coleman, he's been out for quite some time with that hand fracture, but he is practicing this week, so he's day-to-day. -day. The Browns could certainly use some help at wide receiver. And then finally, D.D. Westbrook, too. He had that groin surgery a while back that he is practicing as well and also day-to-day, -day, much like Corey Coleman. It sounds like Westbrook will play this week. Tight end injuries. We've got tight ends. We've got tight ends hopefully coming back. Zach Gertz with that hamstring sprain, uh, strain. Questionable for this week, but likely to play coming off the bye with rest. Jordan Reed with that hamstring strain, questionable for this week. I wish we had the answers, that's for sure. Greg Olson has a foot fracture. Uh, Carolina expecting him back week 12 after the bye. Yeah, and then we've got a few waiver wire options to discuss as well. We, we talked about Case Keenum, Jay Collar, and Blake Bortles as streaming options. I don't think any of these guys need to be added for the rest of the season, though. And then we'll keep repeating. Aaron Rodgers, 36% owned. He could return in Week 15 if if Green Bay is still in the hunt for the playoffs. And certainly with stash him if you've got a good record in the bench space. Running back free agents, we've got David Johnson, who's currently 61% owned. Running back one with healthy, got his cast off, like we said, could be back week 12. How crazy would that be? Uh, Danny Woodhead, 35% owned, high upside PPR running back two, likely to return this week. Run and own him if you own any other uh, Baltimore running backs, that's for sure, because he is going to knock them out. Tevin Coleman, 87% owned. He's a running back one, while Devontae Freeman is out. Likely owned already, but he should be 100% owned. Owned. Jamal Williams, only 6% owned. He has flex value with upside as long as both Aaron Jones and Ty Montgomery are out. Deion Lewis, still only 57% owned. Come on. Clearly the lead early down back in a good New England offense with Mike Gillisley inactive. Come on. Wake up, people. Rex Burke had 11% owned, same as, same as Deion Lewis, with added PPR upside with Chris Ogan likely out again. Theo Riddick, 42% owned, has been more involved in the Detroit offense lately, could return to PPR relevance. Latavius Murray, 43%, not as explosive as McKinnon, but will have a large role in games where Minnesota leads. And Sam H. Pirine, 7% owned. Rob Kelly is out for the foreseeable future, three to four weeks, possibly more. Pirine's fully healthy offensive line now, and got the goal line carry versus Minnesota. He's got running back two upside if he can maintain the split with Chris Thompson. Yeah, and at wide receiver, we've got Chris Hogan. He's 84% owned, but he might be out there in some leagues, and he's got that upside wide receiver two or even wide receiver one value when he returns. Um, Corey Davis, 48% owned, led the team with 10 targets. Not a great matchup against Pittsburgh, but after this week, he gets Indianapolis and Houston. So huge upside for him in those two games. Marquise Lee, we talked about, 59% owned. He's Blake Bortles' go-to wide receiver right now. With D.D. Westbrook coming back, that may cap his ceiling a little bit, but at the same time, it might open up more plays for him as well if defenses have, a, have to account for both of those guys. Robert Woods, 71% owned. Sean McVay is scheming him open, and he's the 1A target on the league's highest uh, scoring offense here. Uh, we saw his upside this past week. Um, we just talked about Marquise Lee, and we'll talk about D.D. Westbrook, only 20% owned. Um, he's likely back this week, and he has immediate opportunity if Alan Hearns doesn't suit up for this game. Jamison Crowder, 54% owned. Crowder's led the team in targets the last two games he's played with 13 targets and 11. He's a legit wide receiver two or three in PPR. Jeremy Macklin, 58% owned. Baltimore's offense should improve with Danny Woodhead coming back and could free up Macklin for a few more catches. And then we've got Josh Doxson at 29% owned. 
Again, not a great matchup against the hot New Orleans defense this week, but he gets the Giants and the Cowboys defense after that. And then finally, we've got Cooper Cup, 54% owned. Uh, he's at Minnesota against New Orleans and then at Arizona the next three games. And all these secondaries are, on paper, they're really strong, but really more so against the outside wide receivers than at covering the slot. So Cooper Cup could be that number one guy for the next few games, and he's got he's a wide receiver three reflex with some upside as well. Bring us into a couple tight ends on the inside. Greg Olson, 58% right now, expected to return week 12. Instant tight end one is the number one option in Carolina's passing attack. Austin Hooper, 68%. Target share stabilized a bit with six targets in each of his last three games. Could be a low-end tight end one rest of the season. Charles Clay, 43%. Buffalo was awful this week, but Clay got two for 13 on his three targets in his first came back. Uh, tight end two in PPR this week. Vernon Davis, 64%, has scored 13.2 and 14.6 points with Jordan Reed out. He is a fantasy tight end one as long as Reed is out, and I don't know how he's not 90-plus percent. Yeah, and then finally, um, you know, I've been talking about kickers a little bit recently, so um, we'll, we'll continue that trend here just because the playoffs are looming. And if you're, you know, if you've got a good record and you're pretty much all but guaranteed to be in the fantasy playoffs, you know, every advantage helps. So we've got Justin Tucker, only 75% owned, probably the best kicker in the league. Fantasy-wise, hasn't been as dominant this year, but still huge upside week to week. We've got Jake Elliott, 40% owned. Philadelphia's a top offense right now, and Elliott hasn't scored fewer than nine points since week one. One of the most reliable guys out there. And then finally, we've got good old Harrison Butker, 39%. Uh, he's been a little bit more up and down in terms of points scored the last couple of weeks, but he's insanely accurate, and this is a Kansas City offense that should continue rolling after their bye week. I agree. I'm, I'm right on board with all of those. All right, well, hopefully uh, your guys' teams are doing well. And again, if they're not, I know I'm in, you know, sixth place in some of my leagues where I'm struggling to stay afloat, but, you know, there's still a chance. We still have a few weeks left and anything is possible. So good luck to you. Uh, you know, keep vigilant on the waiver wire. Uh, you know, if your trade deadline has not passed yet, explore some trades, see who's out there who might be available. And as always, uh, you know, Follow us on social media if you've got more specific questions. You can reach us on Twitter. I am at FFA underscore Mung. That's M-E-N-G. And I'm at FFA underscore Los, L-O-S. We are also available on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, and SoundCloud. Whether you're listening to us on your computer or your mobile device, uh, don't forget to subscribe. Yeah, and as always, it's a fantasy world, and we're all just addicts in it. Thanks, addicts. The first person to survive Alzheimer's disease is out there. They're going to hold on to everything the disease steals away. And the Alzheimer's Association is going to make it happen by funding research, advancing public policy, and spurring scientific breakthroughs. And by providing local support to those living with the disease and their caregivers, we're easing the burden until we accomplish our goal. But we won't get there without you. Visit alz.org to join the fight. Hurry in to Mattress Firm's July 4th sale. Get a king bed for the price of a queen or a queen for a twin and save up to $500 on Sealy. Plus, get a free adjustable base with qualifying Sealy purchase, up to a $4.99 value. Or shop Tempur-Pedic, the most highly recommended bed in America, and save $500 on all Tempur-Breeze mattresses 
and get a $300 instant gift good towards sleep accessories. Only at Mattress Firm. Restrictions apply. See store or mattressfirm.com for details.